coming up. People want to know what Brexit will mean. Brexit means um, something. Um, hang on, give me, give me, give me a second. Anyway, we'll also keep an eye on Labour's never-ending death spiral, and we have an exciting new game to play. Now that's what I call a scandal. Hello, I'm Paul Osborne. Actually, no, sorry, I'm Jim. My name, should anybody ask at any stage, is Jim. That's J-I-M, Jim. If, by the way, you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, clearly you haven't been reading the newspapers, but we'll uh, we'll clear it up for you a little later. First of all, though, have you heard, apparently Brexit means Brexit. This is a huge relief, because frankly, I didn't have the first idea what it meant, and that's really cleared it up for me. And when the Brexit secretary, as he's now called, David Davis, spoke in the Commons this week, he busily set out what Brexit was by telling us all the things that it wasn't. There'll be no attempt to stay in the EU by the back door. No attempt to delay, frustrate or thwart the will of the British people. No attempt to engineer a second referendum. Because some people didn't like the first answer. (laughs) The people have spoken in a referendum offered to them by this government and confirmed by Parliament, by all of us, on both sides of the argument, and we must all respect it. That's a simple matter of democratic politics. Mr. Davis then went on to say that what it means is leaving the European Union, just in case you hadn't realised. But, you know, what does that actually involve? One thing that we know will definitely happen is the introduction of an Australian-style points-based system for immigration. What the British people voted for on the 23rd of June was to bring some control into the movement of people from the European Union into the UK. A points-based system does not give you that control. Oh, so it doesn't even mean that then? I want a system where the government is able to decide who comes into the country. I think that's what the British people want. A points-based system means that people come in automatically if they just meet the criteria. So this week, Theresa May was at the G20 summit telling any passing world leader that Brexit means Brexit and we're jolly well going to make a success of it whatever it actually turns out to be. So let's try to clear this up, because nobody else has managed yet. Uh, Robert Meakin joins me. Um, Here we are, Robert, two months on from the referendum, more than two months now, and I don't want to besmirch our political leaders in any way, but I'm beginning to think that they may not have the first clue what to do about this. I think that could be a very fair summary. I think the reality is that the new prime minister could really do without Brexit. Of course, she's never going to admit that. I mean, as we know, she was a fa- she was fairly uninvolved in the uh, in the campaigns, uh, although she was officially a sort of a light remainer, dare we say. It comes as no surprise that the nature of uh, of the new PM. You know, she she is cautious. She is about detail. And I think it's going to be an inevitable anticlimax, this process, for a lot of people who voted to leave the European Union, because it, it, Theresa May is it's going to be edging along at a very slow snail's pace. And I think we're going to have the inevitable scenario a bit further down the line where the likes of Nigel Farage and other prominent Brexiteers will be saying this is not what the people voted for. You have once again disenfranchised the majority of voters in this country because it is going to be a compromise. The problem, apparently, with that points-based system that we were promised all the way through the referendum by people who had no authority to make that promise, which I think we did point out a few times, is that if people get the requisite number of points you have to let them in and it seems that what a lot of voters were saying in this referendum was that it's the letting people in bit that they're not 
terribly keen on. Yeah, that, that was the drawback of the point. I think most people's idea of the point system was it was an ever-decreasing ever line, essentially. The point system was a number of points that you couldn't possibly get. Minus points out. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's rather inconvenient to sort of actually accrue a sort of number of points that makes them a, a perfectly acceptable individual to live in this country. I, I get, I'm getting the feeling that wasn't what a lot of the point system people, yeah, supporters rather, were voting for. It's a bit like that show jumping event where it's just one big wall and every time... <laughs> the horse jumps over the wall a couple of people just appear and add another layer of foam bricks to the top until eventually there's just a pile of dead horses lying around <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what a lovely image it is a beautiful image isn't it yeah, yeah well let's have a quick listen to something the prime minister told mps earlier this week we will not take decisions until we are ready we will not reveal our hand prematurely and we will not provide a running commentary on every twist and turn of the negotiation Does she have a hand? I'm not absolutely certain she has a hand to hide. I'm not convinced that she's got a plan yet. And she knows that if she backtracks on immigration, she'll have half her MPs screaming at her and her half a party supporters. She knows that businesses are expecting her to negotiate free access to the EU. She also knows that those two things are completely incompatible. And it just feels like at the moment she's trying to avoid all that with this handy catch-all meaningless phrase while knowing that sometime before the next general election, someone's going to be left feeling that they've been done over. Yeah, I I think that's right. I mean, to be fair to her, she's only come into 10 Downing Street in the last few weeks. And I think she is just feeling her way into this and trying to work out how the hell to proceed. It is. It's uh, I don't think you'd you'd be amazed if she sort of came out right away and said, right, this is the plan. It's going to be A, B, C, then D. She's just not that sort of political personality. The sort of doomsday scenario we were being given beforehand, that hasn't come to pass yet so we're in a very strange sort of no man's land at the moment politically we've left we haven't really sort of left but at the same time you know we britain hasn't sort of completely unraveled and collapsed either so it's a it's a strange time and she's a pragmatic cautious politician who's going to play the cards very close to her chest as you say she probably doesn't know what those cards exactly are right now Well, that bit was all very serious, but don't worry. Before we end, we will whisk you to Game Show Island for non-stop fun. But first, there's now only a couple of weeks to go until Jeremy Corbyn is overwhelmingly re-elected as leader of the Labour Party. Sorry, I forget sometimes that we're supposed to pretend that this is still some sort of a contest. This week, Mr Corbyn went head-to-head with Owen Smith in front of a TV audience on Question Time, largely made up of Labour voters. And once again, the thing you notice about large groups of Labour activists is they do all now seem to hate each other. And yet, at the end of the programme, Mr Corbyn was surrounded by fans, desperate for selfies. Mr Smith was left standing alone in the corn, looking forlorn and a little sad. Much like me at every social event I attended as a teenager. Robert, a lot of what Jeremy Corbyn says is not, in the strictest sense, true. So in the Question Time programme this week, he said, well, before all of these mass resignations from the Shadow Cabinet, we were edging ahead of the Conservative Party in the polls. And they weren't. There were about 90 polls since he'd been elected Labour leader, in none of which Labour were ahead. There was a slight tightening um, a few months earlier, but they've never been ahead. And right now the Tories are 14 points ahead. But this just doesn't 
matter. Anything Jeremy Corbyn says is greeted with this kind of rapturous applause from his selectorate. And if you dare to disagree or say, for example, well, you know, the evidence doesn't quite bear out what you've said, you'll be lucky to escape without your windows being put in. If you're a Labour supporter, it seems to me, you're kind of cheering on the driver as your car is driven off a cliff. If you're a Tory voter, it's terrible news because your party is going to get lazy and arrogant and flabby because it has no serious opposition. And at the end of it, this whole process has been for absolutely nothing. Yes, it'd be a remarkable turn of events if Owen Smith was the Labour leader in the next few weeks. As you say, in terms of Corbyn making you know questionable claims, well, he can say what the hell he likes essentially at the moment because it's a done deal. He's going to win this leadership contest. He's going to move on. It will have shored up his position. I have to say, I mean, watching the question time, he looked very assured, very calm. I thought handled himself you know, pretty well actually because he's the out and out front runner. And he looked he looked pretty relaxed. Um, what actually happens uh, after the result? I mean, my goodness, they've got the Labour Party conference immediately after the result. I mean, good job they've got a security firm in there because it just to keep some of the Labour members apart. I think it will be a big, a big enough challenge. It was odd that they were so very, very, very keen to make sure there would be effective oh, security yes. at this yeah, year's conference. Yeah. And then, as, as I know we've mentioned many times before on the show, then you've got this huge part of the party, i.e. The, 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 the parliamentary party, is going to be completely disenfranchised from the from the Corbyn-led party and how that plays out over the coming months up until 2020, potentially, is remarkable. I don't think they really know. I, mean, the, I think people in the parliamentary party are still in denial. They're, 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 if, you say, if you say to a lot of leading figures, well, you're going to have to break away, they say, absolutely not. This is the party we fought for. We're staying in. Well, you know, good luck with that because they're going to have absolutely nowhere to go. And after this result, after this Corbyn victory, there is the spectre also of people beginning to say, well, you know, somebody, do we really want some of these people as our members of parliament going into the next election? Could the membership look to remove them? It could get very bloody. We got a, it's got a very French Revolution feel to this after, after this Corbyn result. Who knows? Who knows what casualties there could be? I mean, whether you're a Labour supporter or not, this is all very depressing. But it would be wrong to say that this leadership race hasn't given us occasional moments of entertainment. Earlier this week, we were treated to the slightly bizarre spectacle of Mr Corbyn thanking UB40 for their incredible (laughs) endorsement. That's right, kids. UB40. 80s Birmingham reggae band, UB40. If that doesn't win over our pasty, uninterested youth, then I, I, I don't know what will. But it turns out... It wasn't all of UB40. There are two versions of the band. The one that endorsed Jeremy Corbyn is led by Robin Campbell. Now, Robin Campbell was the guitarist in the 80s UB40. His brother, Ali, was the lead singer, but he leads a rival UB40, sort of continuity UB40. I hope you're keeping up with this, by the way, because there may be a test. That UB40, the second one, opposes Jeremy Corbyn and issued a statement saying it looked forward to a new leader who would take Labour into government. Even UB40 is split wide open on this. Yes, leading politicians associating with pop rock groups you know, rarely ends with, with, with much dignity or credibility. And uh, the, 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 Cor- the Corbyn UB40 axis has been a, you know, a particularly bizarre one this week. I don't know who inside Labour HQ, presumably a UB40 fan, thought this was a particularly good idea. It seems that bitter splits and recriminations are not confined to politics. And the words of another song from our youth, isn't it ironic? 
Now, Keith Vaz stood down this week as the chair of the Commons Home Affairs Committee after what is fair to say was probably not his best week. He is by no means the first politician to find allegations about his private life plastered all over the tabloids, though perhaps his previous fondness for the spotlight explains why quite so many people have found his discomfort so comforting. Robert, shying away from cameras and microphones is a very new experience for Keith Vaz. Um... Even if these allegations were true, no crime was committed. But what shredded his credibility was the allegation of a conflict of interest. He's on a committee that's been looking at the law on prostitution. This allegation relates directly to contact with male escorts. Exactly. And that, that's where I think it's a done deal in terms of, or it is a done deal in terms of his chairmanship of the Home Affairs Select Committee. He couldn't continue with any form of credibility. Uh, after the, the the allegations that were made, so now he's obviously made the right choice. I mean, imagine him trying to continue in that job; it, it would have been, you know, quite ridiculous. So he's made the right call there. The wolves are circling because Keith Vaz is, yeah, has long been a fairly controversial figure, to be honest, in terms of yeah, he's known to enjoy hogging the limelight. Uh, he, he's played that very much to his advantage over the years. But it is a pact with the devil, as we all know. If you if you if you enjoy media attention that much it can come back and bite you and it certainly has in the case of Keith Vaz and you make enemies if you if you sort of act up in the House of Commons all the time I mean, he, he, it's fair to say that he very much enjoyed being the chairman of the Home Affairs Select Committee he liked summoning people he did a lot of summoning he was good at it he was good at it I, I, to be honest as well and, and then he would sort of say well to be honest we find your evidence wholly unsatisfactory and sort of shout at them a lot but you're going to annoy not just the people that you're shouting at and not just the journalists you're going to annoy some of the MPs and when, uh, when you're back against the wall as it has been for him this week you're going to suddenly find that that some of those people are a little bit less supportive and and perhaps you know enjoying it a little bit as well now look for no reason at all no way connected to any events that may or may not have happened i thought this week was an ideal opportunity to play a game i've been working on for some time not since last weekend for some time which is called Now that's what I call a scandal. So let's meet this week's contestant. What's your name, contestant, and where are you from? Robert, I live on a virgin train, somewhere between the north and London. And what do you do for a living, Robert? I'm a freelance whore. A freelance whore. Well, it's funny you should join us this week of all weeks. What, what we've got for you is some headlines from past scandals and fabulous riches await. That bit's not true. Uh, if you can tell us what the story is. So, are you ready? I'm going to do my best, Paul. OK, let's begin. Our first headline. It's Paddy Pants Down. Well, that was the esteemed former leader of the Liberal Democrats, Lord Ashdown. That, that was. So what, can, can you tell us a little bit more about this particular scandal? <laughs> I think that, the, in a way, I think the headline pretty much sums it up. I think so. I, I'm. From what I recall, this is quite a long time ago. It's 1992. It was an, an extramarital affair involving Paddy Ashdown. And, and his former secretary. Ah, former secretary. Well, that's a, that's a Westminster long-held tradition. Well, yes, that, that, that's a word that we may be hearing again. When in doubt, when in doubt. Even Paddy Ashdown, by the way, admitted that that headline, which is in The Sun, was dreadful but brilliant. So that's one point. Let's move on uh, to your, your next headline. Two Jags becomes Two Shags. 
Yes, this was uh, again relating to a, a secretary, funnily enough. I believe her name was Tracy. It was. And it was, I think it was his diary secretary, our, our, our former Deputy Prime Minister, Lord Prescott. And he was having an affair with her. And yes, it was uh, and quite an affair that ran on for some time, I believe. That, that came to like 10 years ago, by the way, just to make you feel old. That was 10 years ago. And of course, they were circling at the time for, you know, for President's political demise. But uh, Blair stood by him. You know, it wasn't, wasn't about this. But Blair, of course, famously said about Prescott, John will be John. And that often seemed to be the defence about a lot of things Prescott did. But yes, it was a, a, a fairly grubby affair with a diary secretary. I think you'll probably find this next one uh, quite easy. Here's, here's your third headline. It's two jabs. This was a visit uh, to Rill in 2001 by the same former Deputy Prime Minister, Lord Prescott. So he went, he visited North Wales and a, uh, a farm labourer with a surprisingly dated mullet for the, that for 2001 was involved in goading him. An egg hit Prescott and Prescott turned around and uh, lamped the said uh, mullet head farm labourer on the jaw and was being throttled as the cast while security pulled the two men apart. Leave it, John. Leave it. Leave it, John. OK, let's go back a little bit further for your next one. My Love Child by Top Tory. Now, I admit that probably doesn't narrow the field very much. But I'm going to take a guess that you're talking about Cecil Parkinson. Oh, you're on fire. I think you might be able to go for the Mini Metro at this, right? I hope it's got a nice ribbon round it. Now, let, now, am I right to say, was it Sarah Keyes? Was that her name? It was. And she had a child. It tells you something about the political standards of the time, by the way, that, that Cecil Parkinson was about to become Foreign Secretary when he told Margaret Thatcher about this, that he'd had an affair and his, and his secretary was pregnant. And she, rather than saying, well, you can't be Foreign Secretary, you can get out of my cabinet, you foul cheat, she just made him Trade Secretary instead. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then he only resigned from the government when Sarah Keyes went to the newspapers to say that he had offered to marry her when she told him that she was pregnant and then he'd reneged on the offer. So having an affair with your secretary and getting her pregnant, that was just a sort of a demotion offence. But the sort of cad who would offer to marry somebody and then step back, that's a sacking one. But you've got to go for that one. Come on, that's good old-fashioned British morality for you. Coming coming soon with Brexit. (laughs) Let's move on to your fifth, fifth headline. It's a bit more recent. Downingham Street. Okay, yeah. Um. I'll give you a clue. This doesn't directly relate to a politician, but to the child of a politician. Oh! How long ago is, is this? Um... 2000. Oh, it's, it's, it's you and Blair. Well, you see, we got there. We got there. That mini metro is still... Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, uh, he was tired and emotional somewhere in central London. Leicester Square. He was found blind drunk in Leicester Square. Well, it wasn't too public, at least. And uh, so I can relate to that, that predicament, actually, from, <laughs> from that period. The Prime Minister, by the way, who had not that long before this, suggested that the police should be marching drunks to cash points to get them to withdraw the money to pay on-the-spot fines for public drunkenness. I'm amazed that idea never took on that there weren't enough police just to walk around and just grab people and march them to cash points and make them take out their own money to give to the state. I'm amazed that didn't work. Well, you're doing very well. Uh, The money you've won so far, which is no money at all, that's completely safe. It all hinges on this last answer to this last one, the the big prize awaits. So your last headline... Toe job to no job. Toe job. Now, who was involved in the toe? (laughs) Toe job, toe job. Yes, I think, yes, I think... Oh, time's running out. Time's running out. John, Ma- John Major Edwina Curry. 
and that noise you hear is your mini yeah. metro driving off <laughs> into the sunset. Which one no. was it? What was the toe? What was the toe? David Meller. Oh, was, did it, was it... God, I always think of just Mella with the Chelsea kit. Was there a toe involved as well? David Mella. Same same era. OK, yeah, yeah. Took the job title of Minister for Fun a little bit too seriously. Ah. And, uh, and, and got into trouble for an affair yes. with an aspiring actress. Can you remember what her name was? No, I can't, but you, as soon as you say it, I will know. Uh, oh, Alec... Antonia de Sancha. That's it, yeah, yes, yes. Sadly, Robert, that means that you haven't won the car, but oh. it's been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, and, thank you. And, and thanks... Thanks for joining us. Now that's what I call a scandal. We'll have to leave it there uh, for now. It is nearly time for us to pack our bucket and spade for the conference season. Uh, UKIP are up next in Bournemouth. The Liberal Democrats have this year expanded to two booths at an organic coffee shop in Brighton. And uh, a fortnight from now, the Labour Party will be announcing that knife-edge vote for leadership, and we will try and pick over what it means. My thanks uh, to Robert. Do get in touch on Twitter at Paul Osborne. Uh, Thank you for listening. If anyone asks, by the way, the name is Jim. That's Jim. Got it? Jim. Jim.